What up, y'all? It's DJ MV. And I am Gia Casey. And this is another edition of the Casey Crew. Welcome. And this week's episode of the Casey Crew is brought to you by Bevel. Now, shout out to Bevel for not only keeping our skin smooth, but for making sure that this product is for all of us and not just for some of us. Now, order your Bevel right now at getbevel.com slash Casey and get the first month of that subscription for free. That's getbevel.com slash Casey. Start shaving smarter today with Bevel. Now, my baby loves when I use the blades, the Bevel blades to shave my skin because it's so smooth. Nothing like smooth skin. And you just want to kiss up on me? You want to kiss me now, don't you? No. Kiss me. No. Kiss me. No. Kiss me. You're too far away. All right. But you would, though. (laughs) If I were a little bit closer. Shout out to Bevel. And you know what? Shout out to everybody out in New Orleans. Now, this weekend, we were in New Orleans for All Star. Yes. And we had a wonderful time. Um, I F my diet all up. <laughs> all the way up. All the way up. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I, it was so much food from, what is it, Po' Boys? What is it called? Po' Boys, gumbo, mm. turtle soup, crawfish. I even had alligator. Yes, you, oh, you had alligator. You, you didn't try the alligator, right? I did, I did. I tried the fried alligator. Yeah, it tastes, it tastes a little like, like chicken. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a great time in New Orleans. The only problem with New Orleans, shout out to anybody from New Orleans that listens, all Star was the same time as Mardi Gras. Oh my goodness! But I would have to say, you know, I I ish on you when you're late. What? I I ish on you when you're late. Uh huh. And when you're on time and you do stuff that's good, I have to reward you and applaud you. Okay. You know, Gear likes to be super duper to the T, no matter where she goes. She goes <laughs> to the supermarket. Gia's going to wear six-inch heels. <laughs> so down there, you know, Gia's wearing six-inch heels. Of course, she looks a beautiful, gorgeous, amazing like she always does. <laughs> Thank you. So when we going out, when we go out, you can't drive. The traffic is so bad. Oh, we tried. We tried to drive everywhere. There's no Uber. There is no Lyft. Nope. There is nothing to get your ass around. No, no, no. You really have to describe how disgusting disgusting the traffic was um if you live in new york los angeles you know some of the worst traffic you ever seen that was new orleans i mean traffic not moving for minutes and hours hours i would say hours we spent five hours in the car one of those days Rashawn had about five different events that he had to make an appearance at during the day and we got up we got out we're like all right we're gonna hit them one two three four five boom 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 and we couldn't even get to the first one because it was taking about two hours to go maybe 1.2 miles everything in new orleans is about a a, a 1.5 mile radius so it's it's pretty much all in the same well in the center where all the action was happening right. right And um, we couldn't. Gear would have to sit in the car. I would have to jump out the car and walk to each venue, whether it was a day party or walked a gaming everywhere. suite or whatever. I had the DJ. I was. She would. Ha- I would have to walk in. She would sit in the car because she had six inch heels. Yes. So the next day, um, I, I thought Gear wasn't gonna go. Gear was like, "All right, let's go." She had her six inch heels on. I was like, "Oh, she doesn't. She doesn't <laughs> understand." But what she did was when we got in the car. And we got stuck in traffic again. Mm-hmm. Gia put on her Jordans. <laughs> I was like, Aka! <laughs> and started walking around. And then when she got to the club, 
she took the, took the Jordans off and then put her, her six inch heels on and then we walked in the yeah. club we partied and then when we left then we had to walk to the next venue or the next spot or to something yes. to eat or to uh, back to the hotel she put those Jordans back on I was like we could walk for hours I'm I was good. I was really surprised yeah I'm not gonna lie you look kind of sexy with Jordans and, and them, <laughs> them tight ass outfits on you know? oh yeah you liked it yeah you All look right. you look kind of sexy with your outfit on you know you usually <laughs> got your six inch heels I said okay oh you liked it Okay, yeah, but I appreciate you riding out for me and, and really uh yeah, that was tough putting the Jordans on it and, and, and going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wanted to talk about uh, this episode is we briefly touched on it on our live uh, podcast episode last week. Mm-hmm. And what made me even think about doing it is when we came back from our trip from New Orleans, we landed in the airport. I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. We were walking to the car. And oh, I know where you're going. There was, uh, must have been about what, a three year old, two year old? She, no, she was about four. A four year old. Little girl was about four. And uh, the girl's mother was trying to get her to. Well, set the stage. The girl's mother mm-hmm. had maybe an 11 month old, a 10 or 11th month old. In her arms. In, not in her arms. She had like one of those little uh, baby, baby harnesses. Right. Mm-hmm. She was wearing like a baby harness, had the 11th month, 11 month old in the baby harness. Then there was about maybe a four year old mm-hmm. that was acting up. And then it looked like there was a six year old that was just there to watch. Right. Go ahead. And she was having a hard time. This four-year-old... No, she was having a meltdown. The four-year-old was having a meltdown. I was talking about the mom was having a hard time. Oh, the mother was having more than a hard time. The mother was trying to get the baby. I mean, they just got off the plane, so they were trying to get to the baggage claim, and the mother was trying to get this baby to start walking, and the four-year-old would not walk, saying, no, she's not walking. She was laying on the dirty floor. In the airport. We were in Newark International Airport. She's in her pajamas. On on the ground. It's not carpet. (laughs) Like tile. Wearing, wearing pajamas. Linoleum. Wearing pajamas. And the mom is really trying to drag this young girl out. Well, no, she wasn't even trying to drag her. She was speaking to her very, very nicely. Mm-hmm. I think the little girl's name was Savannah. She's like, Savannah, we need you to get up. Come on, we have to go now. It's time to walk. We mm-hmm. got to go get our bags. And she was laying on the floor, mm-hmm. swinging her arms and legs about, crying, saying that she wasn't going anywhere. And her mother just kept with the same action. Right. Come on, Savannah, we have to go. Mm-hmm. You can't lay there like that. The floor is dirty. And she had on pajamas and sweats. So I kind of felt like she woke up and was like, Mom, this is what I'm wearing today and you're just gonna get used to it. Right. And which is cool. That's fine. But then she started going out of her mind in the airport and the husband was there the father was there and he sat there and he said nothing he just leaned against the wall and left it up to his wife who was carrying the other baby to handle it right and this is when Guy and I looked at each other and said we would beat that child to the baggage claim (laughs) (laughs) well maybe I said that and you just laughed Uh, yeah I kind of laughed I, I think the resonating thought was no bleeping way. Right. You know, we all, no way. we all see it all the times where you have these two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and they're disrespectful to their parents, whether it's at Toys R Us or the supermarket. And they're running the show. And they're running the show. That 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 shouldn't happen, and nor is that going to happen. Um, we have five children, and they pretty much know that we don't play. 
We don't play. And you're not going to get away with bad behavior. And you're definitely not going to get away with bad behavior in public. And I think a lot of kids do it because they know they're in public and they feel like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're not going to do nothing in front of me and, you know, to me in front of everybody. Mm -mm. That's not going to happen. It's a bad precedent to start. All of our kids know that. We have no shame. I will embarrass you in front of your friends. I don't care if you're two or 20. I will embarrass you. Right. Which brings me to, you know, we've had a lot of, I ain't going to say a lot of complications, but we had a lot of incidents with our children. You know, sometimes you got to pop them. But there was one that it was probably one of the worst that stands out crazy. Well, no, it's one child that stands out crazy amongst the other children. Maybe one incident that stands out amongst many. Right. And this is with our son, Logan. Yes. When Logan was about three year old, three years old, he was exactly three years when he old. Was at, when he was three years old, Logan um, is not the the smart, loving, bright, happy, go lucky, will go out his way for you as he is now. Um, I never, ever in a million years believed in sending your kid away for school. <laughs> but Logan's behavior at the age of three? Three through what? Maybe six? Three through six? Mm-hmm. I almost threw the Maybe towel in seven. and said we got to ship him away to military school. It was that bad. Yes. It, it was contentious between us because we both had different parenting styles at the time and we both had different beliefs regarding how to deal with him. Right. Um, so to, to, to show you a, a specific incident, uh, well, first, was... before you, before you mention the incident, let me just, um, prelude by saying with Logan, um, I think that his red button, his hot button was being treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. If he ever felt as though someone wasn't treating him fairly or the way that he should be, or if he gets in trouble for doing something while other people get to skate for doing the same thing, then that would send him into a tizzy. But at age three, what do you know about that? You know, that's, what I, was, that, that's what I was confused at three, about. At three, you're old enough to assess whether you're being treated fairly or not. And and to bring back what you said, you know, I know people are like, well, what what are the different styles? Like we we both had different styles of raising or parenting our kids. Um, if you don't know, my dad is a retired police officer, and in our house, it was he said it, you did it. You didn't ask any questions. Take out the trash, okay? Yes, sir. You can't go out. To, you can't go to the club. You didn't say, well, why why can't I go to the club? It was none of that. It was. He was the dictator, and whatever he said, you had to do. That Whereas was it. No questions asked. In my house, it was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. My parents explained everything to me to make sure that I knew where they were coming from. I knew what their decisions were rooted in. Right. So we were both raised a little differently. In your house, it was ask no questions. In my house, it's ask as many questions as you'd like. We're here for it. Right. So with with Logan, I, I think we kind of raised the kids. You know, Gia was, if they had a problem with something, they can ask why. And Gia will say, well, we can't go outside today because it looks like it's going to rain and the clouds are moving over and it might be a thunderstorm and you might get electrocuted. That was <laughs> Gia's way of answering. Uh-huh. My way of answering was... Because I said so. Because I said so. Now, so let me explain what, what happened Going to the bank, 
It was uh, me, Gia, Gia's mom, Logan. And Madison. And Madison in the car. Mm-hmm. I jump out the car. Logan's three, Madison's five. I jump out the car to make a deposit. I go into the bank and I go make my deposit. Now, what happened when I'm in the bank? Okay. Logan was misbehaving. I think that he was doing something to annoy Madison and he wouldn't stop. So I told him, if you continue to do that, I'm going to take your toy away and I'm going to throw it out the window. Mm -hmm. So he continued, despite my warning, in which case I took his toy and I pretended to throw it out the window. Act like she threw the toy out the window. Yes. Now, mind you, it wasn't no great toy. I think it was a toy from. It was either. like a um, like a wrestling toy. Okay, wrestling it was an action toy. like a little I wrestling. I thought it came from McDonald's or Burger King. Or no, else. it was a little wrestling action oh, okay. figure. And when I faked, like I threw the toy out the window, he responded by saying, "You fucking bitch." Now, mind you, three year old tells his mom, "You fucking bitch." Now, I was shocked because particularly at that time, we did not curse in front of our children at all. Now they're 13 and 15. We might let a little word slide here or there. But at that point, when they were young, we never used profanity in front of them. So I'm shocked because I have no idea where he picked that term up at. Now he was going to school. He was in school five full days. Mm -hmm. It could have been from someone at school or maybe an older child or something like that but nonetheless regardless of where he came, where it came from that is what he said right. and as soon as it came out of his mouth my mother looked at me and was like oh god Gia, please don't kill him mm-hmm. and i clenched the steering wheel and i turned around and i said what did you just say to me cuz i figured i must have misheard something and he reiterated it and stared me straight in the face like yeah i said it you fucking bitch and at that exact moment, you walked into the car and I said to you, you will not believe what Logan just said to me. Right. Now, it's taking everything in me to keep my hands to myself, to not turn around and to not overreact. Because the first thing that I wanted to do was to turn around and yoke him up. Right. I told you what happened and you said, what? What did you say? He reiterated it to you. Right. He said, and then, you fucking bitch. They understand, Rashawn. I was shocked. No, I want people to really set, I want to yes. set the scene. A little three-year-old yes. in the car, in his so little car seat, cute. saying, oh my gosh. No fucking bitch. Like, so then you said to him, tell your mother you're sorry. And he said, no, I'm not saying sorry. That's exactly what he said. And you said, Logan you better tell your mother you're... He said, no, I'm not saying sorry. I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, the only thing that Logan was afraid of was water. He hated water. He didn't like his swim classes. He didn't like being in the shower. He would only take baths where his face couldn't get wet. So, as a measure of punishment, when he misbehaved, if we were out of the house, I would walk around with a spray with bottle. A spray bottle. It didn't matter if it was a Pantene bottle that I emptied out and I put water in, or if it was a little one that you get from the grocery store or the drugstore. I was always equipped with my spray bottle. When he would misbehave, I would squirt him in the face. That's right. And he would get right really quick. Didn't have a spray bottle that day. Right. So 
You told him, I'm going to tell you one more time. If you don't say sorry, you turned around. He just shook his head. No, you were like, I, I got something for you. No, I believe. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I believe I grabbed. I grabbed his shirt. And mm-hmm. I was like, say sorry. He's like, I'm not saying sorry. He I was, was like, so adamant. I was so impressed, but not in a good way. <laughs> I was like this little mother effer. Yes, he didn't respond to me. He didn't respond to you. He didn't respond to the look of fear and panic in my mother's face that was trying to warn him. Right. Get right quick because what's about to unfold you're not gonna like little boy right so i uh hopped in the car started driving back to the house right and now the bank was only maybe five or six minutes away from the house i'm jetting back to the house because now i'm steaming i mean your your knee was shaking you can see the fire coming out my ears you can see the steam coming from my forehead and um I pull up to the house mm-hmm. and I jump out the car. I don't even think I put the car in park. I jumped out the car. <laughs> you put the car in park. All right. And I said, okay. So I run to the hose. I screw Well, you up. go in the garage. You open the garage. I, you start pulling the hose I out pull, of the garage. I pull the hose out the garage. I, I attach it to the, the attachment outside. The spick? Spick? Um, spick? Spick it. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, spick it. I, I, I um, grab him out the car. And I said, you're not going to say sorry? He goes, I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not sorry. I grabbed that hose, turned that hose on, and hosed his <laughs> little ass down. Right in the driveway. Now, when I'm hosing his ass down, he's like, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I'm so sorry! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. And from that day forward, he has never, and mind you, he's 13, he has never so much as murmured a curse word mm-hmm. in our presence. Right. To the other day when he said, um, what was it? it? Was It was a, he was like, I can't say the D word. The D word. It was what? what I, remember, I remember, I just, I don't remember what you're talking. I remember it happening. Oh man. I don't, I don't remember what the word was. I don't was. think it was a D word. It was, it was another, I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was the H word. He said, I can't say the H word. It was like H. He was like, hell. Oh, yeah. He can't. It, was, it was the H word. Like, can yeah. I say it? I was like, yeah. He goes, hell. I was like, that's not a curse. He was like, oh, I just wanted to make sure. Because you know we're not allowed to curse or say curse. anything. Because I have a list of words that aren't necessarily curses right. that they're not allowed to say in front of us either. Right. And they're not allowed to say it in front of their friends. I think maybe a hell or a heck or whatever might slip in front of their friends. But it's so, it's so stiff that even when their songs come on they bleep out their they words, mute yeah. out their own words even mm-hmm. if it's just a suspect word they mute that word out real quick like these ain't loyal yeah absolutely no, they just they just leave it blank they're like these ain't loyal mm-hmm. and they just leave it like that because that was so traumatizing for right. him i think and madison is just gonna listen to what she's told regardless but that was just one thing that was the thing that i think that we noticed that kind of sparked Logan's bad behavior during that stage of his life and then it kind of oh my gosh you remember the the school bus incident yeah oh my gosh the school bus incident so this was maybe second grade fast forward to second grade the reason we're we're telling you these stories is people always ask well how do you discipline your kids do you pop them do you do this do you do that yes we do pop our kids but you know for us I, I really feel like we popped them one time 
And they then you they don't have to do it again. Never have to do it yes. ever, ever, ever again. Yes. And when you when you're mad at your child or you pop your child, it should be it should come from a place of discipline, not and from control. Emotion. Not from emotion, because when it's emotional, it's a little different and you don't have any control. It should become I'm gonna discipline them and that's it. A lot of people go too far, they go over the top and, and that's not where you wanna be. Uh, I've been grabbed and yoked up from my, my mother, my grandmother, my aunt. Uh, my father never hit me father never hit me he just gave me that look and I was scared I, I mean I probably shit in my pants he, he gave me that look <laughs> Gia's mother beat the, the, the I used to get beat the shit out of God we, my friend. we had in my house the big red belt mm-hmm. and the big black belt and the big black belt was a little bit smaller than the big red belt so depending on the crime that would determine which belt I got beat with right. but listen it's a different day and time now I, I don't I don't agree I, I, think, I think it I is I think with your child if, if your child deserves a beating a whooping he should get it because I think that's part of the problem I feel that parents are not necessarily popping their children and what it's doing is is I think the kids are smarter they know that they can't be popped they know that they can't be beat. no I think that it's true but I'm talking about from the perspective of acceptance mm-hmm. when I was a kid it was okay to beat your children. Right. If your child talked back, if mm-hmm. he or she was fresh, if she misbehaved, if she embarrassed you, they would get a you kid would get a beating when they got home. Right. I got beat. I remember one time I went and I hid under the bed and my mom took a broom and was trying to poke me out of the bed with the broom. I mean, my mother has picked up an extension cord. Like I okay, used to that's get a too far. But I mean not I never looked at it as being abused or anything like that because I did deserve it. I might it. call diapers on your mom right I, now. She's with an extension cord? Yeah, I got hit with an extension cord before. Whatever was within Jeez. her reach, my mom would pick up and pop me with. And We could lock I, your mom up right now. If you but want. I deserved it in a sense. I mm-hmm. There were times where I was rude or I was fresh. And that means of discipline had me thinking before I said something crazy or that I knew I shouldn't be saying. So, you know, is it right to be, I don't believe as an adult, especially now that times have changed and people's thinking is more evolved and people spend more time thinking about alternatives. Mm -hmm. Back then, people weren't thinking about alternatives. This is how you disciplined and chastised your children. So now... We're a little bit more evolved and you think about other ways that you can discipline your child and other ways to get your desired effect. And now I don't believe in beating your children, but I do think at times, you know, a child might need a little quick pop on the bottom or a quick pop on the back of his or her hand. No, not, no, 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 not beating, but a quick pop. But I think that we discipline more in our tone right. and with our expectations. Like, for instance, our nanny, her name is Irma. She is so incredibly sweet. Mm-hmm. And the way that she treats Jackson and London in particular, because they're two toddlers, you know, obviously our fifth child is a baby, so she doesn't apply. But the way that she deals with our toddlers is in such a sweet way submissive manner Mm -hmm. where Jackson, who's our two-year-old, 
in particular, takes advantage of her because he knows that Irma loves him so much and Irma's going to say yes to everything and let him do everything. Mm -hmm. And if he wants to be picked up, he's going to be picked up in that moment. If he wants a snack, he's going to get that snack in that moment. If he throws something and she tells him not to, he can wait about 15 seconds and throw it again and there's going to be no repercussion. So kids can identify the situation that they're in Mm -hmm. and they act accordingly. Like for instance, he's finicky about brushing his teeth. He does not like to have his teeth brushed. So every morning she brushes his teeth and sometimes he's like, you know what? I don't want you to brush my teeth. And it becomes a struggle. And as soon as she says, okay, I'm going to call your mother, he gets right real quick. So sometimes I'll hear the struggle. I'll come downstairs and he'll open his mouth wide up because he knows that mommy is not going to stand for that. Because if you don't open your mouth, it's going to be a problem. Right. So you, you have to discipline your children. And I think a lot of people, that's what we do. And it worked for us for so far for four children. The other one's a baby, so we, we don't know what's going to work for, for, for little Brookie Chew. But it's worked for us. And all our kids are in line and all our kids respect us. When you from, say it, how do you define it? You said it's worked for us. The what's discipline. it to you? I, I think how being do you stern, I think... Categorize our I discipline. I think if a child doesn't listen and has to be popped, you pop a child. I mean, you don't beat a child, but you pop a child if you have to. We've done it with Madison. We've done it with Logan. Madison's only ever had to get popped one time. And that's all it takes. And it only took that one time. It only time. took one time. Mm-hmm. Same thing with London. London got popped one, one time, time. And that's all it took. And it's all it took. You know why? London London started school mm-hmm. and and for you that don't know she's three years old so she started school at two years old and she started coming home with almost, this strange she's almost four but she's three now yeah, four more months but I have my I baby's know. getting okay. <laughs> um, so she started coming home misbehaving right if she didn't get something that she wanted she began to throw herself Fall on out. the floor mm-hmm. it took two times the first time I heard it. I came downstairs. I grabbed her. I put her to her feet. And I said, we don't do that. And she looked at me with fear in her eyes. We meaning our family. Our family. We don't do that. We do not throw ourselves on the floor. That is not acceptable. But it was more, I think, the look in my face and the stern nature that I took that she responded to. The second time that she did it, she just walked in from school. She didn't know that I was home. And I heard her do it to Irma. And I went downstairs and I grabbed her and I brought her upstairs. And I held her at like arm's distance away from me. And I walked her up the stairs like that. And that trip up the stairs must have been the longest trip for her because the look in her face was just Mm -hmm. pure fear. And I put her down. I said, what did you just do? And she said, I fell on the floor. I said, no, you didn't fall on the floor. You threw yourself on the floor. I said, I told you last time, do we do that? No, mommy, we don't do that. I said, are you certain? Will you ever do that again? I will not do it again. I said, because if you ever do that again, there is going to be consequences to pay. And she has never done it again. I think that kids know who they can mess with and who they can't mess with. And it doesn't have to be about taking a physical action it's about having that stern presence about you that I think that children respond to because even with Jackson when he started school a year later and he started throwing himself on the store on the floor we did the same thing so now whenever he misbehaves as soon as he hears my feet walking down the hallway and then down the stairs I 
He'll scream from the family room, I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, Emma. I'm sorry, Wendy. I'm sorry, Maddie. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Logan. Like, he will start apologizing to everybody in the room, even if they had nothing to do with it, if he hears my footsteps coming down the stairs because he knows that he's not going to get popped, but he doesn't want to deal with that look and the idea of what may come. He's never experienced what may come, but he doesn't want to. He fixes up immediately. He does. Absolutely. And and they all all do and um, I just want to touch on something that you mentioned before and I, I think I, I got you off topic you mentioned the school bus incident oh yes uh, Logan would take the school bus home every day and uh, he would get into an incident on the bus sometimes now Logan's problem is is he's a real tough kid meaning that uh, but a small kid but a strong Sometimes he would get into incidents with other kids on the bus and Logan's not going to cry. You're not going to get that boy to cry for nothing. You could punch him in his face. I'm I'm talking about the other kids in the school. You can clothesline him. You can kick him. He's not going to cry. He's just that kid. Right. um, So he would get into incidents on the school bus. Well, let's say a kid is shove him or a kid will punch him. Logan will punch the kid back. The kid will cry. Right. Logan would get in trouble because he, when the principal came on the bus or the teacher came on the bus, right. Logan was the only kid that's not crying. He's just right. not a crier. And we had to go through that. I mean, it got So to- it would make him look as though he was the aggressor because right. he's sitting there like everything's fine next to a kid who's crying. Meanwhile, the other child may have been the aggressor in that situation. But because he was so tough and defended himself so well, I think that he got a little bit of a bad rap because of it right so one day there there you know he's on the bus and he got into an incident with a kid on the bus and um the kid was crying the principal comes up on the bus and says hey logan i need you to get off the bus <laughs> so logan says no i'm not getting off this bus so the principal's like no logan I, I need you to get off the bus all these kids have to go home you have to get off the bus. And he says, well, if I get off the bus, how am I going to get no, home? No, he didn't say that yet. He didn't say that yet. All uh-huh. he said was, all he said was, I'm not getting off the bus. Uh-huh. The principal calls me and says, uh, Mr. Casey, your son got into an incident on a school bus. He has to be picked up from school, but he will not get off the bus. I'm like, okay. He was like, do you mind if I use uh, physical force to get him off the bus? Simply meaning to pick him up and remove him from the bus. Right. Mm -hmm. So I tell the principal, I'm like, look, um, I don't think you're going to be able to get him off the bus. (laughs) Right. So the principal was like, excuse me? I'm like, I know Logan's small. And at this this time, what what, what grade was he in? He was in first or second grade. He was in first or second grade. I said, he wrestles. He plays football. He's in karate. You're not going to be able to get him off the bus. Mm-hmm. I said, but you can try. Right? Because now at this time, it's a bus full of kids that got to go home. That's late now. And she's calling from a ground line. It's not like she's calling from a cell phone where right. she can hand him the phone where you can say, mm-hmm. Logan, get off of the bus. Right. So um, she calls me back about five minutes and was like, Mr. Casey, you were right. I couldn't get him off the bus. Now, I know. I know Logan. When of he course. doesn't want to do something, he's not going to do it. He right. will fight Andre the Giant if he has to. Yes. That's him. He's not getting off that damn bus. So now I have to leave work and get to the school because mm-hmm. he's on this bus and he's not getting off. So they have to, I'm going to say evacuate, evacuate the bus, get yes. all the other kids off the bus, take they them on other buses. They have to call another bus to the school to put all the other children on right. so that they can all get home. Right. And now the scene is Logan is sitting there by himself on a big yellow bus with the principal. Right. 
So when I pull up, I finally pull up. I get there. I pull up. As soon as I pull up, Logan sees me. He jumps off the bus. Hey, Dad. Just like that. Hey, Dad. I'm like, <laughs> so you know I'm pissed off. I'm like, why the fuck didn't you get off the bus? Right. He goes, he looks at me. He goes, Dad, Mom's not home. The nanny's off today. If I get off the bus, who's going to pick me up? He said, if I get off the bus, how, how am I going to get how home? How am I going to get home? Mm-hmm. My sweet little baby. And I'm pissed off, but I'm like... <laughs> I get it. If he gets off that bus, how the hell is he going to get home? That's how he gets home every day. So that's how he thought. His little, you know, second grade brain. Yeah. So that was the incident with the school bus. So, but my problem with him is he did not listen. And I, I told him if he got into another incident, he would be in trouble. So, um, at this point, Logan was getting in, in trouble a lot for the same type of incident. Him getting into an altercation with a classmate. I think they would try to pick on him and they would realize that he's not soft. Right, because Logan was always smaller right. than his peers. But he's not going to take no shit. You're not going right. to push this kid so around. So you would, you know, as another, another child would misjudge him and either insult him or try to play him or something and then get their feelings hurt. So, you know, even the principal said to me at the time, you know, like... He's he'll be in a situation, it'll be him and a bigger kid, and you would assume that he would be the one that would take the L, and it's always the reverse. Right. And it looks like he's the problem, but that's not really the case. It's not it, it got it got to a point where she realized that he wasn't the problem. And not only that, he is the type of person, you know that type of person that takes extreme to the the far level of, of the far level of the far level. No, he's I don't know that, what that means. Meaning <laughs> he's extreme. Like the worst thing I think we did with Logan was saying, if somebody hit you, hit him hit back. Hit him back. Mm-hmm. Right. Defend yourself. Because that's what I was taught. I think that's what a lot of us were taught. But not now. Now is if somebody hits you, go tell the teacher. Right. So right. what would wind up happening if somebody hit Logan, Logan hit him back, they would start crying the principal, the teacher would come, the teacher would see who was crying, and then the other person would get in trouble. Right. So Logan would stay in trouble. So we had to change his way of thinking. Yes. We had to was, try to reprogram him, which, which is, is very, it up. was very difficult. It was really fucked up, and I'm cursing, but because I'm pissed off about it, because we had to almost teach our child, teach our son that if somebody hits you, don't defend yourself. Don't defend yourself. Go tell a teacher. Find an adult, find a teacher, and tell them. And then if they hit you again, then you could defend yourself and I didn't like that because you know you're taught to defend yourself you're not going to just let somebody pick on you and I didn't want him to be the well he's the tattletaler no you hit me you get effed up that's what I wanted but we had to to de what's the word I'm looking for program him yeah deprogram him and it bothered me so he got he got in trouble for that incident so the, the, the school bus incident so I said okay I told Logan if he gets in trouble again I was going to take him to Queens. <laughs> so what I did was I, I drove him to Queens to my dad's house. Remember, I tell you, my dad's a retired cop that doesn't play that. I so mean, you picked him up from the bus. Pick him up from the bus. Right. Drove straight to Queens. Mm-hmm. When I got to Queens, the first place I went to was the barbershop. Right. I gave him the George Jefferson cut. <laughs> now, mind you, he had a head full of curls. A head full of curls. I gave him the George Jefferson cut where you ever see... Dr. Phil or a person that's balding where they have hair on the sides, but then that big bald spot right in the front. Uh-huh. I cut his hair just like that. Shout out to Donovan the barber because I remember when he was getting the cut, Donovan was like, I'm not cutting it like that because your wife's going to kill me. Yes. I said, give me the clippers and I did it. 
mm-hmm. and then he had to fix it. Um, I gave him the George Jefferson cut and took him to my dad's house. And I said, Logan, I'll see you when you straighten up. And the reason for that wasn't that we didn't understand why he didn't get off of the bus. The reason is because prior to that, we told him, and this was, I guess, part of his deprogramming. Mm -hmm. Listen, if a teacher or an adult at your school tells you to do something, whether you agree or not, whether you think you're being treated unfairly or not, do it. And then if you have a gripe about it, come home and talk to your father and I about it. And we will deal with it with that adult if we feel as though you were offended unrighteously. Right. Absolutely. And he didn't do it. He did not get off of the bus. And he had to be punished for that, even though in hindsight, we realized why he didn't get off of the bus. And we were able to make a little bit of sense out of it. But that's why he got punished. Right. So, you know, back to disciplining our kids and people disciplining I think that your kid sometimes has to be disciplined in a way that it's not necessarily like I don't if I had to sit in a corner as a kid, I don't think I would I don't think I would be I don't think I would have listened as well as I did. What do you mean? I was scared of my mom mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. I was scared of my dad at times. Right. If they told me to sit in the corner, I wouldn't be scared of him. But when my mom used to yoke me up and like almost strangle me and like I was scared. She uh-huh. only had to do it one time. Uh-huh. And then I never was like, never sucked my teeth at her, never cursed myself, never yawned, never got an attitude because I know that her yoking me up could come at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Even with my grandmother. My grandmother hit me with a slipper one time. Bow. She threw it at you, right? Yeah, threw it no, at No, no, no. She threw the no. ashtray at you. Threw the ashtray. Hit you with the slipper. <laughs> hit me with the slipper. Threw the right. ashtray at me. Rest uh-huh. in peace, Grandma. But she did that. And ever since then, I knew Grandma didn't play. Right. You didn't mess with Grandma, even though at the time she was, what, 75 years old. You was like, I'm not fucking with Grandma because she still got enough power. Still a little crazy. Right. But I also think that that's what kids need. They need to know that their their parents love them and care for them and will do anything for them. But they also have to know that they have to respect their parents. Right. Right. I think it's the right recipe of fear and respect. Absolutely. Because we talk to our children very openly, very freely, but we don't cross that line of friendship. Now, you know, myself and Madison, myself and Logan, we're friends in a certain respect. And I only use that word and I use it loosely and it kind of conveys the idea of openness and communication. And, you know, my kids can tell me anything but there's never that time where they feel as though they can disrespect me absolutely because if they disrespect me then they have to worry about where that swing might be coming from there's times where logan will say something and not be sure if it's disrespectful or not it might be a joke or intended as a joke and Mm -hmm. he'll duck immediately because he doesn't know where that hand might come from right you know and it, it doesn't get to a point where i actually have to pop or swing on my child but he knows that I have the propensity to do that if the situation calls for it so we we talk we're open we love them they know that you know if there's a problem mommy's gonna fix it daddy's gonna fix it we're gonna go to bat for you with your friends we're gonna Mm -hmm. go to bat for you at your school no matter what we have your back but at the same time you maintain that respect and to take it a step further which I love the other day when, when, when we were out of town, when we were in New Orleans, uh, London had a problem. And the dope thing about it is Madison was home 
and Madison Schechter. Oh, mm-hmm. Madison right. Schechter. London did something disrespectful to our nanny. Uh, I don't remember what it was uh, or whatever, but London, but Madison, our 15-year-old, pulled London to the side and said, no, we don't do that here. Right. That, that's not what we do. Right. You're going to talk to the nanny with respect, and if you don't, you're going to get popped. Right. And I was like, wow, that just shows that we're actually teaching them in a way that it's it's not just Madison learning, but now she's teaching her younger right. sister, which right. I thought was amazing. I thought I just thought that was dope. When it's she kind of like it. our house culture. It's like our own code of ethics. Like we all understand what's respectful, what's not, what's tolerated, what's not. And they understand why mm-hmm. they understand why when whenever they do misbehave or you know something doesn't go off the way that it should they come in and they apologize but they also learn that from us absolutely you know in our house we apologize for things that we do wrong nothing happens in our house that you know that's not acceptable without somebody taking accountability for it so for instance if you and I get into an argument Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, whether we're loud or the kids are around and they see that maybe, you know, we're not our happiest or they might see a look on our face and they know by the time that, you know, we've wound down, someone is going to assume responsibility. Right. Someone is going to go to the other and apologize. And we take every opportunity that we can to teach our children from our experiences. Mm -hmm. So if I'm out and something happens and I see a lesson in it, I'll come home and tell the children. So if we get into an argument or a disagreement, once one of us is assumed responsibility, we'll pull the kids in and say, hey, mommy and daddy just had a disagreement about X, Y, and Z. And I remember one case in point, you said, you know what, Madison, Logan... I just raised my voice at mommy and I should have never done that. I did it because I was tired and I was irritable. I haven't really been sleeping. So I kind of just snapped. I had to apologize to mommy because mommy didn't deserve that. Madison, you take this example to realize how you should never stand to be treated by a man. And Logan, you take this example to learn how to never speak to a woman. Correct. And us using our life experiences to teach our children, I think is so strong and so powerful because they see it in their house. And, and the takeaway from that is so great because they can identify with it. It's not like you're just teaching your children. And this is how it was in my house, kind of tapping into something that we were talking about earlier about the way that I was raised. My parents always used real life to teach me. And that's why I think that in a lot of ways I'm worldly because my eyes are always open to different things. I try to look at things with different perspectives and I want my children to have the same quality. Absolutely. And I think we do that when we discipline them. And I think we do that when we teach them about apologizing and teach them about having respect for one another, having Mm -hmm. respect for adults. And I think that is the reason that They do that because we're able to have those conversations and because we discipline them the way that we do. Right. Now, thanks again to Bevel for supporting this week's episode of The Casey Crew. Bevel is the first and only shaving system designed for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin. Now, you can pick up your Bevel today at getbevel.com slash Casey. And as an added bonus, you'll get the first month of your Bevel subscription for free. Now, 
Go again. GetBevel.com slash Casey. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I was out in uh, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know I used the bevel for my, my face. But I, also, I know what else you used the bevel I, for. I also had the manscape to make sure I was good money down there. <laughs> you were really good money. I was good, good like, money. really good money. Like, all, all the right. way to the skin, good money. Bevel does a great job. You looked a little bit bigger, too. Oh, shoot. <laughs> all right, so definitely get bevel today. That's getbevel.com slash Casey. Now, let's get to the email of the week. Okay. Now, before we get to the email, I want to say, babe, I apologize. For what? I'm a little gassy. Awesome. All right. Now, um, broken home. All right. He says, hello, guys. I trust you guys are doing great. I'm a great fan of the podcast and of The Breakfast Club. I don't mind if you guys don't read this out on your show, but I really appreciate your help. All right. My wife and I have been married for four years. We have a three-year-old son and currently pregnant with our second. We've been having a lot of issues in the bedroom for a while. Mine being that she never initiates sex, except for when we're working on having kids. This brought about a lot of issues. You know how we men are. You know how us men get when we're not getting none. I once discussed this with her about wanting to make love and none of all this quickie or no foreplay sex. She responded by saying, I should wake up. This ain't no fairy tale. (laughs) Like I was asking for too much. We recently got into an argument during the festive period about where our son should spend part of this holiday season so that we could get to spend some time alone and reconnect. I suggested that he go to my mom's house since she's been longing to have him over. Plus, I want to get him used to my family members, too. But my wife was insisting that he goes her to her side of the family, being that there are a lot of cousins and siblings there. The argument got to a point where she told me she's regretting being married to me, emphasizing on us eventually breaking up. She said this, uh, knowing that I feared that the most, especially coming from a broken home. And she said that her dad warned her against marrying based off of that. Anyways, I allowed things to go her way when she started crying. She later apologized. My problem now is, does she really mean what she said about regretting being married to me? I have started questioning our marriage in my head, asking myself if I'm making her miserable or something. It's being over a month since we hug, let alone have any form of romantic activities. I still do the regular house support thing with taking care of our son, helping with the laundry, cooking Mm. and cleaning, etc. Just that connection is gone, guys. I don't know what to do. I wake up almost every night having extra praying sessions. Something to point me in the right direction that makes sense. I'm from Nigeria, Africa, which is Wale's country, <laughs> and listen to you guys a lot. Love your program and honesty. Thank you. What's his name again? Lex. Lex? Lex. L-E-X. Hi, Lex. Well, that whole situation just seems like a recipe for disaster for me. Mm. To me, based on what he said, it seems as though she is trying to have a monotonous relationship. Mm. And the part that scares me about the email is where he said that she responded by saying, I think it was what, wake up, this isn't a fairy tale? Correct. Wow. That's scary. Because 
Your relationship can be a fairy tale. It can be as much of a fairy tale as you allow it to be and as much of a fairy tale as the two people involved work towards it being. If you have two people that are on the same page, that want the same thing, that want happiness, that want monogamy, that want a family, that want love, that want to have fun, that want to enjoy their lives, that want to experience different things, that want to be spontaneous, that want to grow old together, then you have two people that are willing to work towards it. And that's the closest that you're going to get to a fairy tale. And it is possible. But if your frame of mind is already working against that, it's working against you and it's working against the two people as a couple and you failed before you even began. So that one little line, oh, this isn't a fairy tale. It's like, look, life isn't that great. We're not supposed to be that happy. We're not supposed to achieve certain things. It's not like what you see on TV. We're not supposed to be smiling all the time. We're not supposed to have a great sex life. No, you're supposed to have all of that. You can have all of that if you have two mature people that are willing to work towards those things and stay the course. So that's the one thing that screamed at me while you were talking and mm -hmm. reading the email. Um, I think that she needs to fix up if everything that he said and you know the way that he describes it is accurate because he seems as though he really wants something good and he seems as though I don't want to say that he's the weaker person in the relationship but when you have two people in a relationship one is usually a little bit more powerful than the other a little bit more assertive than the other and I think the reason for that is you know a lot of times you have one person that's yearning for something or fearing something and the other one oftentimes kind of has a certain level, level of control in that. So mm -hmm. he said um, that she knows that one of his fears is rooted in having his children be in a broken home or coming from a broken home because right. I'm assuming that he was from a broken home. Correct. So her power or some of it may lie in the fact that she knows that he doesn't want that. So that can be the card that she plays. She can kind of use that to assert her power and instill fear in him and kind of dangle things in front of him and say things and get away with it. And I know that because I used to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was definitely guilty of doing certain things or saying certain things because I always knew that you would never leave me. Right. I always knew that no matter what I did, whatever I said, no matter how wrong or how left it was, I could get away with it. You might have an attitude, you might be upset, but you're not really going to go anywhere because I knew that that's where you stood in our relationship and I would kind of use it as a power play, as a tool. And I would say things that I absolutely did not mean. But this is when... I wasn't on the right course. This is when I didn't know better, when I wasn't 
I guess I would say a little enlightened, you know, um, there came a point where it's like a brick fell from the sky and mm-hmm. I saw things differently and I wanted better for me. I wanted better for our marriage. I wanted better for our family. And I started to change some of my actions, but I definitely did use things as like a power play. And I definitely did try to hurt your feelings intentionally. So at the end of his email, he says, um, I want to know if she really means it. She said that she regretted ever marrying him. Right. And that's the part that he seems that he's most worried about. Wow, does she really regret ever marrying me? Right. There's times where I might have said things that were equally as horrible or Nasty. equally as hurtful well. to you to you. And in the in the moment I might have meant it. Mm-hmm. In the moment, I might have meant it, you know, but I think maybe subconsciously I was just saying it to hurt your feelings, knowing that there was no real consequence. Well, no real consequence that I could see in front of me. But of course, there was a consequence because when you say something negative to someone like that, when you hurt somebody, it sets into effect a whole other sequence of feelings and emotions, thus setting into effect actions and that can that's kind of like opening up pandora's box because you never know what's going to come from those feelings and those actions right but you know what to play devil's advocate right Mm -hmm. and there's two sides to every story Mm -hmm. right let's say they got into a relationship thinking or doing one way Meaning it seems like the the majority of the problem is sex. And maybe for some reason she just is is not a sexual person. There are people out there that are not sexual people. Mm -hmm. And when they met each other, maybe maybe they were like that. And maybe it got to the point where he felt that he can change her. It doesn't say how they were. Or just wanted her to change. Or wanted her to change. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say how they started talking and how they were before they got married. Mm -hmm. You know, so I feel like this might be something where he might have to chill out and, and and figure out alternative ways. If they started dating and maybe she didn't enjoy sex, maybe she doesn't like sex, maybe sex doesn't feel good to her. Mm. If that's the case and they have it only when they have a child, which makes it that makes maybe that's part of, you know, the situation. You can't expect somebody to say, OK, we're married now. We're together now. Change. No, this is who I was beforehand. I disagree. I disagree. I think that marriage, in part, is about meeting each other's needs. Right, but if it you knew beforehand, be, though. You knew but, beforehand I was like that. Don't think because now I have a ring her, on my no, finger no, no. or because we maybe said I do, I'm going to change. He married I'm that her person. because he loved her. Right. And you love everything that comes with me. Right, but when you get married... Regardless, I think that it's with the acceptance of knowing that you're that chosen person that's supposed to make yourself happy, but also make someone else happy for the rest of their lives. You should really cater to another person's needs if you're getting your needs met. It should be like I am. And I use this word a lot because it's very important. It should be about reciprocity. I make you happy 
you make me happy. We do this for each other because we love each right, other. But if, it, if and, we understand that, and even this hold what on a second, babe. And even if that means that you're doing something that you're not super thrilled about or super excited about, you know what? Maybe you should do it anyway because it may fall under the heading of your partner's needs. I disagree. And sexual needs are important. No, I disagree. You can't just be selfish. We only have sex in order to procreate. No, it's that's not, ridiculous. It's not a matter. You of can't that. have a. You, we can't have a great sex life. That's a fairy tale. No, it's not a fairy tale. You think that this man should be spited because maybe she was that way before? No, not not spited. And and but not have a, a fantastic sex life. No, that if we go into his this partner is willing to work no, on. No, with if we him? go into this relationship, understanding and seeing. What we see or what we do. It doesn't just have to be sex. It could be anything. It could be like, you know what? Um, I have short hair. I want my hair to be short. I had short hair before I met you. And this is what I like. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get married, I'm like, babe, I want you to go long hair. No. Yeah, but hair length isn't a deal breaker. Well, you know what? It might have been a deal breaker beforehand. You should have said, you know what? I know who you are sexually. I'm not going to get married to you because that's not me. Not, well, let's get married. Let's have a child and let me try to change you. Don't try to change me. You knew what it was when we got married. I don't think it's about changing. I think that it's accepting what marriage is and improving what you have every day of your marriage. Every day of our marriage, and I think that you do the same, I'm always looking for ways to make you happy as I feel that you're always looking for ways to make me happy. And there are times that I do things that I don't necessarily want to do or that I'm not thrilled about. I may try things that I may not be thrilled about. I may say things that, you know, I have to kind of train myself to get with, you know, just to make you happy. And you do the same for me. To a and me extent. recognizing that you do those things for me makes me want to do it twofold for you. No. Being married, you have to understand that it is about pleasing the person that you're with and being pleased by the person that you're with. Nobody wants to be married to someone that isn't going hard for them and isn't isn't invested in their happiness for other ways so like for instance sex is important sex is important in a relationship it's very important but it's, let's say it's, this. hold on a second babes it's an important part it is. it's not it's not a disposable part of a relationship no it's not but me and you date mm-hmm. we're dating we're mm-hmm. dating for two years right okay. let's say mm-hmm. you don't like to give fellatio you don't okay. like to give head you don't like to go down on me mm-hmm. right mm-hmm I know that. Mm-hmm. We get married anyway. Okay. Two years down the line, I'm like, babe, I want head. Right. I shouldn't exp- I should know from the door that you're not giving head. You know why? Because you didn't give head before. Right. Now, if you don't want to give head, I can't be like, oh, my gosh, this, that, and the other. I <laughs> right. want to leave now. Oh, my. No. You knew before mm-hmm. you got married, that she wasn't given, she wasn't into right. head, she wasn't giving head, she didn't but like giving here's head for the whatever difference. reason. That is one particular sex act that doesn't embody our sex life as a whole. If this woman is withholding sex as a whole and not making him feel wanted by never initiating sex, that is is a problem. No, he didn't that say they didn't have a, sex. He, he said, said they, they just have quickies and they don't have... They have low quality sex. Right, but maybe she likes that. Only quick... 
but it's not only about what she likes. It's also about what he likes. But he has They're be, having low quality well, sex. Maybe they always had low Quickies. quality sex. What else did he describe it as? He said no foreplay. No foreplay, low it quality sex. All, it might have always been like that. Not only that, she might have been sexually hurt or raped. But or that, what, whatever that is, that if she, she suffered a trauma, it might have been then, before that. Listen, if she suffered a trauma, then together they need to work through that. They need to see a therapist or a specialist or something like that to get to the root of it. My point is, if there is a problem, both people in a marriage, not just someone that you're dating, when you're dating somebody, you can come and go as you please. Do what you want. Yeah. But when you are married and you're committed to somebody, both parties have to be equally invested in the happiness of that marriage and whether it be sex communication family core morals and values those are things that are at the ground of a successful marriage and if you're not in step if you're not in tune then your foundation is shaky and look he's already insecure about it clearly he's communicated this to her Mm -hmm. and her entire disposition based on his perspective in that email, and that's all that I can go on. I can't assume what she might have gone through or assume why she might be that way because I really have no idea. So I'm not going to chase a ghost. But based on the email, she doesn't seem as though she's invested. And it seems as though as though she believes that the, the happiness that you see on TV or the happiness that you aspire for... That's not real life. You know, we have sex to procreate or if we're going to have. Yeah, OK, I'll throw you some, but sh- make it quick. That's a horrible outlook. Right. That's a horrible thing to give somebody that you want to be happy about spending the rest of their life with you. I wouldn't be if that was your attitude about sex. I wouldn't be excited about spending the rest of my life with you. I'd be thinking about other people and what's my next move you and better, how I'm going to get the hell out. You better be happy. This is a privilege right here. Yeah, okay. But I'm going to be thinking about how am I going to get the hell out because I can't live the rest of my life that way. So what do you what He do you, feels unfulfilled. So what do you suggest? What do you advise to her? Um, I don't know. She seems as though she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And she seems as though she might be slightly more powerful in their relationship. I think that everything is rooted in communication, mm-hmm. but I don't know how easy she may be to communicate with. Um, my real opinion is that he has to assert his own power because, and I'm saying this from personal experience. She, he is not saying rape because that's just like <laughs> no, 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 no. power. No, no. She's not saying no. force. No, I know that at a particular time in our relationship, I felt like I could get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And it's because I knew that there was no consequence. Right. I think that if you at some point had showed me that there was a consequence or if your personality changed or if my charms weren't working, then I might have considered an alternate way of acting towards you. Mm -hmm. Or I might have just abandoned those ways because I wasn't getting what I wanted. But as long as I knew I got what I wanted, I would continue. People do what you allow them to do. It's just like children. You know, children will do what you let them get away what you let them get away with. Mm -hmm. But once you put your foot down and you're like, nah, and then everything changes and your demeanor changes and the way you go about your day changes, then 
the other person has to stop and reassess the situation right. and reassess what they're doing. So in my opinion, just based on what I can sense from that email, I think that he might need to withdraw a little bit. Stop acting as though he needs her as badly. Stop chasing the sex. Maybe stop having sex. Then she might actually worry. She might actually be concerned. When she asks for something that he has to be giving about, he might be like, you know what? No, this isn't a fairy tale. Go do that for yourself. I really think that he needs to put his foot down and reassert his own power. Kind of take away. Don't make it as easy for her. She fears that they're going to raise. Uh, she knows that he fears raising his children in a broken home. Don't stress that as much. Kind of give the the idea of, all right, well, if it comes to that, it comes to that. She knows he doesn't want to leave because he doesn't want his children to come from that kind of situation. So she can throw her weight around as much as she wants. But if he's just like, you know what, maybe it might have to come to that. You know, maybe I might have to be, ex but don't bluff. Okay. Don't bluff, you know. I think that he just has to change his his frame of mind and say, you know what, if this woman isn't willing to work on having a good marriage with me and doing this dance with me and loving me the way that I want to love her and have something positive, then maybe I can't be as invested. So I think my opinion, if he were my friend, I would say maybe you need to pull away, but you have to gauge it. You know, you don't want to jump all the way out the window. You gauge it. You you take that course of action and you see how it's affecting her. If it's working in your advantage, then you continue. But you tread lightly. You don't want to jump all the way out the window because then you might get a result that you're not really prepared for. So I think he has to monitor his situation and kind of pull back and not make it as easy for her. Because right now I think she's acting as though there's no consequence. Okay, well... I would love to know how the relationship happened before they got married. Um, and if Gia's advice doesn't work, what you can always do is when she's sleeping, if she doesn't want to give you none, just put it on her back. Shut up, Rashad. Just get some lotion <laughs> right on her back. She doesn't seem like the type that was, that's there for that. She'll feel the warmth. <laughs> She'll know, she'll, she'll know exactly what it is. She'll feel the warmth yeah. and know exactly what it is. But Lex, um, good luck and, and stay in touch with us. We'd and Lex, I go. think that she might just be saying that, um, that she regrets marrying you maybe just to hurt your feelings. I don't, I mean, it could be true. She might have meant it in the moment, but I doubt, I, I doubt that. People tend to say things just to hurt people's feelings when they know they can get away with it. So don't, don't run with that. Okay. Well, we wish you the luck, the best of luck, and please email us and keep us posted. We'd love to know how everything works out, and hopefully, you guys uh, uh, make it work. Yes. All right. Now, in order to support our show, we need to help with some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash crew and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Even if you've taken a podcast survey before, this one is specific to our show. So we really need you to take it too. Plus, once you've completed the survey you can enter to win a hundred dollar amazon gift card again that's podsurvey.com slash crew 
Thanks for your help. Thank you. Now it's time for Argument of the Week. Hey guys, my name is Michael from Fort Lauderdale. I love your show. I wanted to come to the live show so bad. Hopefully you'll do one out in Florida where me and my girlfriend can attend. Now we've been together for seven years. We are engaged and I'm not going to lie. I love how big boobs look on girls. <laughs> now, my fiance has a size A and a, a cup, and I really want her to get plastic surgery. I want her to get implants. She says no. We argue about it all the time. This is my desire. Wow. This is something I dream about, and this is something I want. If she's my fiance and going to be my wife, shouldn't shouldn't see shouldn't see shouldn't. <laughs> trying to read it shouldn't see no What's the word? Shouldn't, shouldn't she, she. Oh. shouldn't she <laughs> people are laughing right now shouldn't she do what i ask her to do uh-huh. let me know what you think we argue about this every day wow shouldn't see it kind of throws back to what you just said about the email of the week if you knew that she had an A cup when you married her, you don't marry her and then all of a sudden expect her to get double Ds. A guy, they're not married. That's his fiance. So he's trying to get it in before oh, they get married. that's his fiance. See, but I do say this. Now, I don't have a problem with plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. At first, I did. Why? But, um, You're going to hate this, but live with it. Okay. I've seen a lot of ugly women become beautiful with plastic word. surgery. I don't, I don't like that I'm going to say it again. Just don't. I've seen a lot of ugly women Sean, become pretty with plastic surgery. And this is something that I was like, wow. You look at the before pictures and you'd be like, that's an, a not attractive duckling. An ugly <laughs> duckling. And then you look at it now, you'd be like, okay, uh-huh. I get it. I understand. Mm. But, but if she's comfortable with having A boobs mm-hmm. and she doesn't want implants that's what she should be able to get you should be able to love her for who she is whether she has a boobs b boobs c boobs d boobs or double d boobs i think he loves her he's i believe referring to his attraction towards her it shouldn't matter because one thing about looks and i think a lot of uh, people know this looks fade Mm -hmm. i mean you you look beautiful at, at at 21 and then at 71 those same things those looks that hair that was so nice for men, it's bald, you know, <laughs> right. for for women, those eyebrows that you, you know, pluck every day. Now I can wipe it off with my thumb. You know, <laughs> it's so many different things. Right. Now you have wrinkles. Now you have uh, crows. What are crows? What? Crows feet. You have crows feet. Mm-hmm. Now your, 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 your titties are touching the ground. You know, awesome. your ass is, is on the floor. If your man, <laughs> Why does that have to be so dramatic? If your man, your, your, your balls are in your shoes. It happens. Uh-huh. It happens. But those are not the things that people should look for love. You know, babe, I don't care how you look. Mm-hmm. I don't care if one lip is is bigger than the other lip. I'm talking about vagina. I don't care if your elbow is is bigger than your knee. You know, I don't care if you you. I don't care. I, don't, I honestly don't care. Mm-hmm. I like and love you for you. Uh-huh. I'm attracted to you for you. I don't care if you know you you have a hole in your neck and and it doesn't matter to me. A hole in my neck. I just came up with that. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter if you have the George Jefferson haircut. Uh huh. 
You are my baby. You will all if you have the George Jefferson haircut, I will lick that bald spot on your head every day <laughs> and tell you how much I love you. Well, you but know, that's how that's how it should be. You you shouldn't want to, you know, encourage or force your your fiance to get big boobs. That's yeah. whack. Like like that shows me that, and I hate and I don't like to to call people this, but it just shows me that. You're very selfish, and I'm a selfish person. That you're very mm-hmm. selfish, and you're not actually thinking about how your fiance feels or how your fiance looks. Just imagine if she came up to you and was like, "Yo, I need you to get a penile implant because you're kind of small, son." How would that make you feel? You know. Mm-hmm. So, to me, if I was her, I would be like, "F off, go eat worms, kick rocks. I hope you fall and fall on your face and break a tooth." Um. Well, first I'll start by saying that him trying to force her to get breast implants is creating, I believe, for most women, possibly for her, an insecurity mm-hmm. about her body. Right. Because if he's so adamant about it, mm-hmm. that would imply that he's not happy with her breasts or her body the way that it is. So she may think that every time that he sees larger breasts on another woman, that that's something that he's attracted to and that he's not attracted to her. So that kind of plants a seed for a problem to kind of grow and fester. Because as women, and I'm sure men as well, and we've said this before, the sexier that you the sexier you feel and the more confident you feel about your appearance and your body and the way that you're being looked at by your partner the sexier that you behave in the bedroom the sexier you go about your day the the more confidence you have so it shows in your actions it shows in your sex life you're not going she won't be worried about covering herself or you know protecting her breasts from his sight or anything because she thinks that he might not approve of it that's number one number two regarding plastic surgery as a whole Mm -hmm. i have no problem with plastic surgery The only stipulation is that if a person is going to have plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. it should be for them. It should be to improve or to correct something that they're not happy with themselves. You don't get plastic surgery to please somebody else. I agree. Never, ever. If she's telling him, no, I don't want it, then he should respect that and let up. And if for him it's a deal breaker, move on to somebody that has double Ds. But if you love this person, then you should just love everything about her and just get with the program and accept whatever she has. But if it's that important to you where you're forcing her to go under the knife, then maybe it's that big of a deal for you. I mean, maybe he's not as attracted to her as he would like to be. Maybe that's just something that is a part of his personality. Maybe that's just what he likes. And you know what? He's entitled to it. But what he shouldn't do is try to force her to do something just for him. And from her side of things, let's say she goes and does it. And she doesn't want to. She has to deal with the pain, Mm -hmm. the potential repercussions of Mm -hmm. having plastic surgery. And what if they don't make it? What if they're together two, three, four, five years and then they get a divorce? She went and she didn't just do something small. She didn't change her hairstyle or get color contacts. 
you know, she didn't she didn't do something to resurface her skin or, you know, no, she cut into her body to enhance it for the sake of somebody else. Now you're sitting there regretful that you changed your body to please somebody else in all ways. That's bad. Absolutely. If she wants it for herself and you both can gain from, you know, larger breasts, she's happy, she feels more secure, you have something to play with, you love it, awesome. But if she doesn't want it, that's for the birds. I agree. I totally, absolutely, dun, dun, dun. agree. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. He's selfish. He definitely is. They talk about it every day. It's that serious? No way. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Well, that is the argument of the week. What's now, his name? Michael. Michael? Shame on you. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Now, uh-huh. you, um, the last, what, four weeks, we've been on the road all the time. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, from Super Bowl, Valentine's, uh, All-Star. New Orleans. Um, next he, week is yeah. CIAA. North Carolina. Are you tired of hanging out with me yet? No. No, I I really enjoy. We're having a good time. Always enjoy. No, I love with it. We having a good time. I you know, love spending time with you. With you, I have my wife. I have my love. I have my security. Security. Yeah, because you'd be like, yo, watch some dudes in the corner. <laughs> okay. And I have my stylist. Uh huh. Like it's it's perfect. Package I, deal. I love it. I, yeah, I, no, I, I enjoy spending time with you. Uh, I just wanted to say shout out to everybody for listening. You know, we've been traveling a lot, and we appreciate all the love. And you know, hopefully, we're gonna get ourselves together, get on like a little mini tour, and try to come to a, a lot of cities and and do our podcast live and meet you guys. And that'd and, be wonderful. All right. Well, it's time to get up out of here. Yes. All right. Well, I'm DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And we are the Casey Crew. Thanks for coming over. Toodles. 